out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Hi everyone. Today I speak to Craig. He has been in recovery for many years already and has, over time, developed a significant sense of spirituality. He goes through phases when he struggles with life on life's terms, which tests his spirituality, normally taking it to another level. He is fortunate to be able to travel a lot and uses these opportunities to strengthen his spirit. He visits places that can contribute to his spiritual understanding and teach him new ways of the spirit. Craig is also a musician and finds a significant spiritual connection when he writes and performs his songs. Let's listen to his story. Good morning, Craig. How are you doing? Very good. Thanks, Freddie. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for coming through and talking to me. I really appreciate it. I know that having the life you have busy with work and children and 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 makes it difficult for you, but I appreciate the fact that you're here. Freddie, I would give all of that up to come and sit in this <laughs> little box with you and talk about <laughs> spirituality. <laughs> You know you're not getting paid with this, do you? <laughs> Did I mention ah, that? Sorry. I'll, I'll see you later. <laughs> Are you going? <laughs> Craig. Yeah. This podcast is about spiritual journeys. Mm-hmm. So I'm just going to dive in and say, take us on your spiritual journey. Tell us about how you grew up, mm. how spirit featured in this. Because I was thinking about it earlier this morning. Your mom seems to be quite a spiritual figure for you in your life. Am I right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, my mom is is a practicing Christian. Okay. And I mean, that could mean many things to many different people, especially to me over my life. And, and, you know, there's good and bad parts of that as there is with, or, you know, the way I experience it is good and bad. But yeah, I mean, I think my grandmother was probably the original spiritual influence on me, who was a little old lady who drove around in a Datsun Bucky all around the country in her 70s and would come and visit like once a year. And then I was... Even as a kid, I was we had to pray before we went to bed and stuff. Ah. So even at that time, even though I didn't know my mom was so, she wasn't really spiritually active. Oh, is this your mom's mom? This is my mom's mom, okay. yeah. I think a lot of South Africans or maybe just people in general have that experience of, you know, kind of going to Sunday school but not really having a, a real spiritual connection because at the time my parents were, you know, this is what you do, or yeah. my mother specifically. I don't think she had developed her spiritual connection yet either. So, I mean, I just found it interesting for a while and then boring and then you know I, I didn't really realize that the imprint of that over the years potentially was mostly negative in terms of the fire and brimstone you know negativity of that kind of Christian talk which is that you know even though Jesus was this figure which I still think is you know, if you read through between the lines was very loving and accepting and so on there was this but you know there was always the but <laughs> and I think that that imprints quite on you know, quite a lot on you as a, as a kid and um, you go through this kind of, well, especially with, with my history of, of, of all sorts of being in recovery from dr- drugs and substance abuse, it, it helps you to bring the stick out and beat yourself up because, yeah. you know, when you make mistakes. So then having come into recovery uh, and to hear these kind of the speak of uh, you can find a higher power, not necessarily God, that is greater than yourself, that accepts you no matter what, and that it's up to you to define that, that was such a life-changing thought. I'd never really thought of anything like that. Yeah. It was always dogma. That's the word I really d- dislike. Okay. And 
there was no dogma. It was, it was basically the dogma was go and find what works for you. Yeah. And I remember one of my first sponsors was uh, in the UK. For him, it was trees. Okay. Uh, and he worked as a forester. And, and it really, and you know, initially I thought he's crazy. He's like loopy. And then when I started talking to him, it helped me so much to see that it worked for him. That, yeah. he, that he had this spiritual connection because he believed. And he could go into nature every day. It was his job and, and the trees, with whatever, you know, whatever, how he, he, the God of his understanding worked through them, influenced him and helped him. And he spoke to them and touched them and hugged them and all that sort of stuff. Awesome. Which and, was? And chopped them down. Yes. <laughs> Ultimately, <laughs> chopped them down. <laughs> I'm going to chop my head down to size. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which I've tried to do a few times. And the other, th- the, and so then the journey begins. Okay, how do I find this God, this higher power? Uh, I still prefer the word higher power to God because of the connotation for me. And, and so then you furiously, or I furiously begin to search. You know, I have to find this thing. And then I found, ironically, the more I searched, the further away it got. <laughs> Uh, I would literally really start getting into trying to get it back into Christianity and, you know, read Buddhist books or yoga really was then for me was a really an awakening because ironically, although it was a practice, it got me understanding that all I needed to be was in a space where I was open to let that higher power come to me. Okay. You know, and yoga allowed me to do that. How old were you when you came to recovery, Craig? 29. 29. Okay. Yeah. Growing up. The background was kind of Christian, but it sounds as if the, the commitment was never really there from your side. Am I correct? No. Okay. Because there wasn't a clear defined, there was no spirituality. There was just okay. tradition. Nearly routine. If you yeah. Can, yeah. I, what I will say positively, what it did give me is the idea of a relationship with something outside okay. of myself. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Because I still, ironically, even though I say I struggle to break away from that, I still respond to my higher power in a kind of, having a conversation with a being greater than myself in a very Christian, you know, this not in, up in the sky, but normally this father figure type of thing. Because okay. it's just, it's imprinted and I'm happy, but that's okay. Yeah. And once I realized that through yoga that I could just let this experience happen, I needed to do some spiritual work to be in that space. That was the work I needed to do, which was pray and meditate. Not necessarily with any idea of, I didn't have to say I'm praying to this or that or whatever, but just be open to it. And then get into those spaces through things like yoga, walking in nature, whatever, to allow those experiences to happen to me. And one of them that was really amazing in, in early recovery was, there was two. There was one and I was driving in, the, I used to work in the film industry, and I was driving combi. So I was on the road all the time. Actually, Bob Dylan says, uh, quite a few people say that's one of these most creative places and spiritual places is just driving because of the monotony. Okay. So in a way, it's kind of meditative. And I was driving... And there was a car in front of me and a little girl, probably five or six, popped up into the back of the car and smiled at me. Now, to explain that to somebody, it doesn't sound like an amazing, but when you've been in sort of such a dark space for so many years and then something beautiful like that happens and you're present enough to yeah. experience it. Connection. Yeah, it was amazing. And then the other t- in, in the same period, because now I'm in this awakening period, I was in the mountains or sitting in my combi probably in Khrabao somewhere. And I suddenly looked at the mountains and realized, this is, uh, this is overwhelming. And I live here and see these all the time, but I'm not present enough or connected enough to really appreciate them. I had the same experience coming into recovery about Somerset West, where we live now. I mean, I hated Somerset West before. It was, it was this place. Mm-hmm. It was this place that you had to go through to yeah. get somewhere else. It never dawned on me that 
it's actually really a beautiful place. So coming into recovery one day, I was, I don't know how it happened. I must have been driving through on my way to Hermanus or Claymont or whatever. And it suddenly dawned on me, this place is beautiful. Mm. So I, I completely get that as if your eyes are opened. The, the awareness is there. Yep. So your connection with yoga specifically, did, did that happen quite early in recovery? or was Yes, that, yes. And how did that happen? I think through the way that most of these things happened, they're kind of meant to. I met somebody who just said to me, uh, who I'd known through the film industry actually, who just said to me, I've been going to this yoga class and it's amazing. And I thought, wow, yeah, I could lose a bit of weight. That was the first thing I thought. I've heard that yoga helps you lose weight. <laughs> so that was my first intention. And then I went and it actually started a lifelong, even though I don't go anywhere specifically, I self-practice now, but the people that I was taught originally, two things, one, I remember that in their bathroom, they had a picture of Buddha hugging Jesus. Oh, well. And once again, that Christian sort of history in me was like, oh, that's kind of exciting but weird. Yeah. And am I okay with it? And that was exactly the kind of space that they created. That nice. Was, Stop yeah. judging. It's all the same source. Learn how to do this practice and open up to the source. And it was such a beautiful, really... It's the original, you know, now everybody's doing yoga and we're in hot rooms and we've got half our clothes off and we're, you know, it's become such an ego thing for, yeah. because of the West. But this was the original uh, Shivananda Hatha yoga that came to the West. So even though it's a really good, long, drawn out workout, the point of it is to use your body to get into the space where they say the prana, which is the life force around your body, to understand that and feel it. And on really good days, you literally feel like you're buzzing. <laughs> And, uh, and, and, and it doesn't happen that often, but yeah. I was doing it so regularly also because I was in early recovery. So I didn't, I wasn't working as much as I am. I didn't have kids. So I was allowed to do that. Yeah. So one, I did lose a lot of weight. Oh, you serious? Yes. Oh, wow. and two, which also helped me in terms of where I was feeling about my self-worth, but, but two, I, I was just so much calmer and present. And then I could have those experiences yeah. we spoke about. So. You're the second person in a row that I'm talking to that yoga plays such an important role in their spirituality. Yeah, And I have done yoga, but I, I struggle to connect with it. Even though when I've done it, I, I really enjoyed it. Mm. I don't know whether I'm too impatient. It's the, the realization that nobody's perfect at yoga when you start. And I want to be good at it right from the beginning. So I feel, instead of, of seeing this as a journey, I mm. feel incompetent and not good enough. I think that the important thing about where I was blessed... I don't like to say lucky. A friend of mine says, luck presupposes the idea that things happen for no reason. <laughs> Is that the teachers that I had, and there's often now we go to yoga in the gym or we go somewhere and, and already it's got that, yeah, oh, everybody's doing this and there's no, their mantra was, we're going to help you have a spiritual experience. Ah. And so, you know, you would come there and you would struggle, but they would talk to you and they would talk you through. And then also at the end, there was always this spiritual space where you'd now got, whether you had a struggle or not a struggle or had a good session or not, there was always a time where they would read something really spiritual. There would be a little bit of meditation and, and all of that was just the whole experience. What I'm trying to say is we need teachers yeah. to reach these spaces. You know, It sounds as if your introduction to yoga was nearly a spiritual practice instead of a form of exercise yes okay but it these both. days a lot of people yeah. nearly go for the exercise and if they get spirituality then that's okay and you know it's funny ironically because i still do those teachers have moved and left and gone to canada and i, I miss them intentionally because they became really good friends as well i still do the self-practice but because i don't have them in that space 
I ha- to create that spiritual space is really difficult uh, because, as you said, the ego and the mind, I start to do yoga purely for the physical benefits. Ah, okay. And it's yeah. always, I've only got half an hour. So let me just get through the sequence instead of, the whole point of the sequence is to get into a space that I can enjoy and experience my life and be open to all these other forms of spirituality because I'm present and open-minded and accepting and not judgmental and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Just before coming into recovery, normally our lives are stuffed. Did you have any form of spirituality left? Where were you spiritually when it you was, came in? It was just an insurance policy, like, you know, which is an intense thing to say, but I always share it. You know, being on your knees at six o'clock in the morning thinking, you know, after a heavy drug binge, thinking I'm going to die, listening to your heart beating, and then suddenly, God, please don't let me die. Ah. You know, it was just a, it was a yes, somewhere in the back of my mind, because of this imprint, ironically, which some can be negative, the positive thing was I knew somehow that there was maybe a chance that, you know, there was, that there was still this God, even though I had this mixed up memory of it as a kid, that could help me. And I've been talking a lot to uh, people recently about trying to, even though that was what I was doing there, to, trying to break that thinking about that God is a, or that your higher power is an insurance policy. And we speak about that as well. That, and that's quite a difficult concept to get because recovery is a struggle as well. Uh, it doesn't make life e- that, get that much easier. It's just that having a higher power is understanding I can get through this rather than thinking that God is responsible, God's going to change stuff for me or my higher power is going to change or it's his fault or not his fault. It's funny, ironically, I get that, but also because of the imprint, it works both ways. One, I'm going to um, if I'm bad, God's going to punish me. But two, if things go wrong, it's God's fault. You know. <laughs> yeah. And trying to break that is, mm. has been also quite a journey. You know. And I like that saying, God isn't an insurance policy. Yeah. I remember as a child, having realized that I don't really buy into the religion thing. So getting into bed at night and having this thought that I don't want to pray. But being so afraid not to pray, yeah, yeah. because what happens if I die during the night and I go to hell? Yeah, I will never forget fun. that intra-psychical conflict that I had to deal with every bloody night of my life. So what I do? I prayed, because yeah. I needed thought that at least I prayed before I died, so it should be okay. <laughs> yeah, and, I, and I just want to mention that yoga is the beginning of that journey, but the spiritual experiences that I've been allowed, or that I've been given, or have been amazing over the time. When you talked about that little girl, the, the, I've been to I've been to the ashram where the yoga comes from in, in India and spent a week there, uh, which was an amazing experience. You know, like I, you know, I've travelled through uh, through Sri Lanka and gone to the Temple of the Tooth where they hold Buddha's tooth, all that sort of stuff, and and could experience all of those without judgment. I've been to amazing. This is not just about Buddhism or, or Hinduism or whatever. I've been to churches and. In, in, and lit a candle for Catholic friends and felt a huge spiritual connection, you know. And I love that about recovery is that it opens, I don't want to be trapped in this kind of dogma of one way of thinking, I'm right, you're wrong. Yeah. And just to be, have that framework that allows me to have all these spiritual experiences. And, and once your mind opens up to that, it's almost overwhelming in a way, but at the same time, it's such an amazing, beautiful space to be able to be. Not always easy, but it's, it's great. You mentioned you traveled to spiritual spaces, if I can call it that way. Mm. What led you there? Were you going through difficult phases in your recovery? Um, or was it just things are going so well, I want to go and see where, where things are going. 
talk to me a little bit about that because that's part of that is physically a spiritual journey. <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's normally when I need the easiest way to say it when I need a break from me and uh, and and life in general. And this is not to say that all the the twelve step recovery stuff that we have should be pushed to the side because ironically, when I've gone on those let's call them sabbaticals or retreats or experiences, they have touched me in a way deeply, but it also reminded me that I need to return to the one true source of where that spirituality all began, which is for me is, is a sort of my fellowship, my 12 step program, my medicine, you know? Okay. So it's funny cause I kind of, I might even be doing all of that, but somehow I'm drifting away from it a little bit and then life gets on top of me and I think I need a spiritual experience and I have okay. one. And it's an amazing spiritual experience, but it just reminds me that these are out there and then you can access them. Yeah. But don't leave the, you know, the footwork that you need to do, the, the, the sort of pillars that, that hold you in the ground and also the kind of, you know, the, the initial opening of the flower that opened you up to these experiences anyway came from surrendering to the fact that, you know, that I am in recovery, that I have a disease and that I need to connect with other people that understand that, you know. So it's, it's worked both ways. But it's normally when... Sometimes I'm even doing really well in recovery. It's just like I feel like... And sometimes the Indian experience, as an example, just came because I was working for a company who said, we need somebody to go to India. Okay. And I, I went, I'll go, you know, and then I, I was managed to bolt that on and uh, that experience, which was great. You are also an artist. Yes. In terms of music. Yes. Is that a spiritual connection for you is that an extension of your spirit spirituality or does that connect you to the sex drugs and rock and roll <laughs> culture of, of music <laughs> which isn't exactly spiritual the way i see it <laughs> i might be wrong yeah i think it's this interesting that you say that because it is such a fine line between using art to they call it julia cameron who wrote the artist way calls accessing the well you know the deep well of spiritual experiences in order to create. And she actually says that this idea that artists are tormented and need to take drugs and have relationships outside of their marriage and, you know, are flippant and all this stuff is absolute rubbish. We've made it up over the years because we think that we need pain to create art. Okay. But actually, which is all about ego, you know, trapped in. But actually, I was just thinking today how many good artistic pieces of work I've heard from people that go into recovery. You know, like there's a, there's a singer that I like called Jason Isbell, who's like an alternative country singer. And the work that he did when he was doing drugs, because remember there used to be that saying like, oh, when they stopped doing the drugs, you know, like in the 60s, they were all rubbish. And, well, none of them stopped doing the drugs. They all died in the 60s. <laughs> but the truth is actually... So they did stop doing them. Yeah. But the, but the drugs stopped doing them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The truth is actually, I've heard countless much deeper and more profound work from people that come into recovery and then then and this is the hard part because that space that you need to access you've got a choice you can access that darkness or you can access these spiritual experiences but those flow they're all part of the same well and so it's very it's very difficult and one of the my big journeys that we've spoken about before has been how to be creative and access these your spirituality to use it in a kind of art form that is so ego driven, you know, because ultimately you're putting yourself out there yeah. you, and most of us are doing it because we want some kind of affirmation. So, and, but the moments of, 
of my spirituality that have been the, the deepest and the most amazing and interesting is when I have been on stage and just being totally let go of, of that ego and just being connected to that source, which once again is a high power. Yeah. You know, that's been amazing. I remember doing a, a, a concert at the, at the Baxter, recent, you know, like two or three years ago. I've never played at the Baxter, especially not on my own. And through a series of events, I ended up playing there. And I don't know what happened. Maybe it was I, was I was in a really good spiritual space. And I remember going on stage and just being just light and connected to my high power. And I'll take that experience with me to the grave, you know. Yeah. And, those, and the audience also gets touched by that. And that's a really true great artist, I think, that can do that, that can take these experiences out of that well, use them themselves, and then connect it with somebody else. You still do some artist way work, am I right? I try. I try and do, I go through periods where I do the morning pages, which is really kind of a meditative practice where you, when you wake up, you do, uh, you're meant to do three A4 pages, I do two, <laughs> of just whatever's in your <laughs> I don't your blame you, especially once, once you wake up. The idea of writing anything when I wake up freaks me out. <laughs> and the point is that you start to get all of the dump, all the stuff that's in your brain in the morning, and then also start to see the patterns of how your life is. Okay. Is so that you can move that out of the way and start this well that, that would start to just present itself, just like meditation does or whatever, but it's, it's a more practical, you're physically writing, you know. And the other thing that the, the big tool that I try and use and I always find hard is, is what she calls an artist date where once a week, I don't do it once a week, you, you take yourself for an hour, just you, no one else, and you do something that that fills that well. And it could be as simple as going to a, an antique shop and looking around, you know, and you have to find these things. I mean, she says for her, it was going to a clock shop and looking at all these old clocks. So you can have a, you can have one week where you do something which is really obvious, like for me going to a guitar shop and playing lots of guitars. Yeah. And the next week you could just happen to be walking past, uh, I don't know, uh, you know, a French bakery and walk in and smell all the croissants and think, well, you know, whatever it is, but it's, but it's, 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 like you do it, it for an yeah. hour and there's, you have to be on your own. You know? <laughs> I can see myself declaring cake a spiritual, <laughs> a spiritual experience and going find the most amazing cake shops, just eating cake. <laughs> exactly. Talk about guitars. You've got quite a few. Yeah, we could go on a whole tangent here because I have a collection. I mean, it's not huge. I have, I think I have six guitars which I loved bits and, and recently I watched a, a documentary which came through a friend of mine in recovery called Minimalism, which is about the fact that if I put it to its core is that there's, even if you don't want to look at it in a spiritual way, is that uh, neuroscientists over the years have, have proven that uh, things don't cause long lasting long-term positive effects in the brain, that they fade very quickly, but that experiences do because you can return to them. Yeah. So holidays, spiritual experiences, nature, love, all these things. And so in part of this is, uh, you know, people, so these people are really live a minimalistic life. And I've taken that aboard in some respects. I've, I've you know, I've gone down my, my wife to be, and I've gone down to one car because we don't need two cars. We've got rid of a lot of stuff. So it's about decluttering and stuff. But one of the things, obviously I have these guitars. <laughs> so I remember while watching this documentary, feeling like kind of guilty about, you know, do I need all these guitars? And then, ironically, in that part of the documentary, the, the guy who, who, the documentary maker says, he gets calls all the time for people saying, I've got all these books, and you tell me to get rid of them, but I love all the books. And he says, the question I say to them, it's not about 
whether you need to get rid of them. You only ask yourself this question. Do they add value to my life? Ah. And then I thought about the guitars and I thought, yeah, they do. Because I play all of them. It's not a collection that just hangs there. I love the fact they're in different parts of my house. And so that was an important lesson is it's not about gathering stuff. It's about gathering worthless stuff. Okay. That is just a pattern of feeding the hole because that hole within us. Yeah, so that's been a really powerful thing as well. That recently just that whole idea of, of I don't need that much stuff, you know. And ironically, when I got rid of my sort of reasonably fancy car that I was driving once a week because, you know, I work from home and my... <laughs> I, don't and there was about. There was some real kind of regret and ego letting go of that, you know. Mm. Especially in South Africa, where I think we're so attached to what car we drive. And, Absolutely. You know, I can identify because I work from home and I've got a car standing in the garage, which I drive once a week for five minutes to drop my cleaning lady off at the, <laughs> at, at, at the taxi rank. And I'm still, in, I'm still paying off on that car. It burns my bum every time I get onto it. But the ego thing of getting rid of it and somebody asking, or I don't know, but, but to acknowledge that, 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 that you're yeah. a one vehicle family, just yeah. kind of, in my mind, poor people only have one car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so you are so right. It's completely, completely ego. Yeah. So what I hear from you is you do artist way, you do step work, you play music because you write your own music. Mm. Is that part of your spiritual practice or is that divorce that from spirituality? And, and what, no, what stuff think, do you write? About? I don't think you can. I think it's, it's part of your, you know, the difficult part about that when you start suffer from a disease of low self-worth or, you know, you know, self-obsession and all that stuff is that, it's a two-edged sword, you know, you, you create because you should and it's part of your, comes from that same place as your spirituality, but you judge the hell out of it constantly. I mean, driving here in the car, I was listening to to something that I really like and then I thought, oh, pop, I always do this as, as a test once again, you know, I'll put my stuff in between something's really good and, and see if it, if it sounds really bad. Okay. You know? And it didn't, but then I was so aware of how we judge how we judge our own creativity and it shouldn't be we should create and i'm paraphrasing julia cameron again we should create because we need to and we must to be as a spiritual practice not because we're expecting anything or we think it's going to bring us anything or we and, and in that process of doing it of writing your own music it should be enjoyable sometimes tough because it's work yeah but it shouldn't be a constant judgment and negative thing you know then then don't do it I don't, and, and I've struggled with that. And, and the, 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 the creativity, writing your own music or whatever, is, is about having the faith and the trust and the willingness in yourself to do it without fear of judgment. What I find fascinating about artists, and I always say that something happened to me because I'm a Pisces, but I don't have any art in me, yeah. is that idea of, Every artist strives to create the perfect product of their art. Mm. But by definition, mm. there is nothing like perfection. At what stage do you finish with a song and say, this is now okay? Or do you always listen Never. to a song? And, yeah. <laughs> That's the problem. And, and she says again that, that we need to learn how to play as, like we were as kids before we even start to... to, to and so part of the process of deconstructing our, our learned process around creativity, which is so influenced by the way we were brought up, the kind of schooling we did, which was 
you know, in my case was, that's rubbish, why are you doing that? Or that's not as good as that. Or why would you bother There's somebody better than you? Or art is, art is always seen by our, 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 especially in South Africa, is seen as a kind of, it's not a real job. Yeah. Why would you do that? Is kind of breaking that down and starting again and learning how to, which is really difficult, how to play, and I use that word, not just play music, but play as a human being and enjoy that. And then try and lessen the judgment through that because otherwise you you do constantly and i still do but it's much better you look at that song and go oh, i could have done that better or whatever but ultimately i've learned to say that's a point in time that reflects okay. something just let it be there and that's part of my journey right now is to just say it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be anything it just has to be something that i enjoy you know and if somebody finds something in it and they connect with it, great. And generally, if that's your space that you're coming from, they do. Because they connect with the space that you're coming yeah. from, which is open and spiritual and connected. That suddenly makes me wonder, because I'm doing a lot, a lot of writing at the moment. And I don't perceive that as art. Oh, but it, it is. It's kind of like I need to do that. And I also don't strive towards, I don't think I strive towards perfection. I'm very okay to say, this is good enough. Yeah. Which makes me think, oh my God, even if it is an art, am I just not proud of the product that, I, that, 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 that I'm producing? Or what is it? Great. What other spiritual practices do you have? Things you do that you feel contribute to your spiritual fitness. I love that term. Swimming. Uh, because it's meditative you know just being in the pool and doing laps but your mind once again through a kind of you know continuous monotonous action you you access parts of your mind that allow you to think about things that you wouldn't normally because you're 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 just drifting so that's always been kind of the, connected to me to the yoga I kind of always done the two together um as a combination um yeah i mean i don't do enough of it the one good thing that my father gave me was being a what they was then called a forester, which is basically like a mountain club, or you know, a member. But the foresters were you know allowed to go into all the sort of private parts of the Western Cape, into into the forestry department areas and stuff. Was just finding a, a way to connect with nature, like okay. being so the mountains definitely and the sea, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, going to the Cedarburg every holiday when I was a kid and spending two weeks camping in the bush and and it's a huge spiritual space for me, being barefoot and running around. And even now, in my 40s, you know, the first thing I do when I'm on a holiday in December is I don't wear shoes. Okay. Just that feeling of being free. And, and, and the big thing talking about swimming is water. Water is such a spiritual space for me, being in, enclosed in it on my skin, uh, you know, swimming in the sea, Oh, just it's 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 lovely. I've, I can think of countless spiritual experiences I've had, you know, <laughs> swimming in the Mediterranean or whether it's in the ice cold of, the, of Clifton or whatever. No, you know, I, 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 I love water as well as long as it's bath temperature. That's <laughs> anything colder than, like than, than a decent bath temperature is just not good enough. One of my non-spiritual enjoyable experiences is sitting in Clifton and watching tourists run into the sea for the first time. <laughs> And then they try and fob it off and act as if it's all fine, but they're freaking out totally. <laughs> <laughs> two, th <laughs> two things come up for me with this conversation. One is, this proves my spirituality from a few years ago. I had a friend, and we were on Clifton, but we went together. We went in the same groups on that specific day. 
Mm. And he ran into the sea and he dove and he dove into a sandbank oh. and he bit through his lip. And as he came out of the, as he lifted up, it was just blood pouring down his face. And instead of helping, I just mm. turned away and pretended I did not see him. <laughs> <laughs> and we are really good friends today. <laughs> and I still need to, need to acknowledge that I could have helped that day. And I just, and that was just the space I was in. I was so selfish. There's somebody yeah. that I like. Anyway, and the other thing is last night I, I went for a jog came home and it was a night that I could bath because I don't really bath because of the water shortage. Mm. But when I do bath, I save the bath for the bath water for, for the garden and for mm. flushing the toilet and everything. Mm. And when I stood up from the bath, I, I accidentally stepped on the plug and it's one of those plugs that, that release when, okay. you, when you pressure on it. Yeah. So by the time I've towed off, the water has run out Yes. and I feel so <laughs> guilty about it. <laughs> and it's so awesome to, to, to have that awareness. Yes. So water is a spiritual thing, but I have an unhealthy relationship <laughs> with it. Okay, so what other spiritual practices? Uh, Do you meditate? Yeah, I mean, I learned how to meditate um, in uh, when I went to the ashram, and I've had various meditation teachers, but I've never really spent enough time and effort on it. Because it's one of those things I think you need to be doing regularly uh, for it to have benefit. So I do, but it's it's kind of in and out, you know. Um, I think I, I, you know, my my prayer is is more conscious contact in terms of connecting in with with my spirituality throughout the day and having a prayer in the morning and the evening. I just don't have the time, which is which is when you have three kids and. <laughs> So you have to, when you've got a busy life, like most of us has, you have to find pockets of time and experiences within your life to kind of connect spiritually. When I, I think that that's probably still part of my journey is, is meditation. I chanted for a while. I did this kind of form of Buddhist chanting for, for about a year. Nice. <laughs> and, and, and I love the ritual because I think we've lost ritual in the West. You know, the sound of saying something or... Or, or doing something every day, and the words, Japanese words, and and holding a rosary in your in your hands, all that sort of stuff. We, you know, that's why I sometimes like my Catholic friends who who have that ritual still. You know, I think we've missed that in the West. Yeah. And so I did that for a while, and I, ironically, the the whole point of that was, or this specific sect, is that you you chant to bring out your Buddha nature, which is your real nature. So all the things that are bad in your life will reflect back at you until they change. So the irony was that that's what happened to me. I got, my relationship needed to change. I got divorced. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't being responsible in terms of work and earning money. Uh, that changed. I, that's one of the reasons I got divorced. And so all these things that came out of it were negative and I stopped chanting. But ironically, wow. the, the guy who was my teacher told me that um, if you start chanting, you know, you're going to go through a period of pain. Because the things are going to be reflected, and I did, and then I stopped because I, I just I just associated uh, chanting with with this huge rift and pain in my life. Okay. But I enjoyed the ritual about it. When I was in rehab, we did one meditation session where we listened to a song, and mm. we had to to kind of sing with a song, and the song was "I am the light of my soul, I am bountiful, I am beautiful, I am bliss," and. They sang it in so many different ways. It doesn't matter how you prefer to sing yeah. it. You, you, you always were bright in, in, in some other way. Yes. And it's such a powerful thing. I, I will never forget how amazing I felt after that half an hour. Yes. And is that the type of chanting That's, or yeah. is it an actual... Mm, 
Nam. No, you say Nam Yo Renge Kyo, which is like an ancient, and and basically there's no real explanation of it, but it it's it the words mean show me my true nature. Okay. And then I mean they believe that it actually changes your direction, your life. It can change your, uh, it can physically have a a physical effect on on the path of your life. Yeah. When I do something like that, it's as if it's as if I connect with a vibration. Mm. It's as if there's a vibration outside of me and inside, and suddenly I, I manage to to, yes. to bring the two together, and yes. and that feels really really good. Yes. Yeah. I mean. If, and also just the, the 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 vibration of as a, as a musician of chanting is lovely because it sits in that part of your brain and it, and it reverberates, and uh, I mean like the Om in the the sound the sacred sound in, in Eastern philosophy is is proven by you know by scientists to have a meditative effect on okay. on us because just the, just the sound of Om yeah just in your in your you can feel it you know so so there's all this is spirituality can be there's not necessarily we're always disassociated with science, but it's it's so connected to science, you know, and it's so connected to the parts of science that still can't explain things, which is ironic because science is constantly trying to explain all the things that we don't <laughs> explain. I want to just let it go and and believe that you know that's the whole point of spirituality is that it's it's faith and connection without having to know what is or what's behind it. Yeah. It just is. You know. It's an amazing that realization where we don't have to understand everything. Yeah, it's okay to not make it a brain process. Yeah, it's really powerful. Yeah, Craig, last question: Are you happy? Uh yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy if I'm doing these things that we spoke about. I think at my core, there's. Uh, I don't know if you've ever done this. You know, my therapist did it with me where you cut the apple cut an apple in through the center and you see the core and it's it's like a beautiful it's perfect uh, with a little with the little um, pips yeah. in the center and she cut it for me and she always uses it as an example is that we think at our core that we're rotten but it's just the fact that we you know life and life experiences as 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 frame that in our brains and in our hearts but actually at our center we are not we're perfect so the whole point of spirituality, that's why I'm saying doing these practices and the question about whether I'm happy is I can be happy if I can get out of the way ah. to, to access these things. Because then I'll find my real core, which is happy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I'm not happy all the time. I mean, you're not on drugs. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> that's the reason why we took drugs is to, uh, to find that happiness And you forget what, how painful life was, Ooh. you know. Yeah, so... Am I happy right now? Yeah, sitting with you, talking about spirituality. And I think that's the point is, can you be happy in this present moment? There's saying from the, which my yoga instructors used to read out from the Tao Te Ching, which, and I, I don't, can't paraphrase and remember it, but it basically says, you know, can you connect with this oneness that is all around and within you in this moment right now by releasing all, letting go of all these things that trap us, you know? Yeah. My Counselor in the beginning of recovery used that term so often. Freddie, you need to get out of the way. Yeah. And I, I didn't really understand what he meant. Mm. But I think I, I now have quite a clear picture of exactly what it is that, that I need to do. Yes. Because I interfere. Mm. I interfere with the ultimate goal. Mm. Mm. But I still find it difficult. I, I have this picture of my higher power trying to get to the solution. I'm jumping up and down in between it. <laughs> Yeah. She must be getting so, so pissed off. 
Cool. Is there anything else you want to add before we close off? No, I think, I mean, just to say, it's good to share your spiritual experiences with others and learn from them. You know, that's that's why I think this is powerful. There's no point living a spiritual... You know, I, I'm not a big uh, proponent of the hermit life only only as a period of 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 realization to go back out into the world and reconnect with others because i think that's the one thing that i've learned from spirituality is, is if it if it if it's disconnecting me from from my humanness which is ultimately to be connected to other humans then it's not really spirituality fantastic yeah good greg thank you very much i really appreciate it thanks have Freddy. a wonderful sunday cheers I liked hearing about Crave's path into spirituality and his practice of spiritual routines to keep on track and to strengthen his sense of spirit. I wish him all of the best on his upcoming wedding and wish them all the best together. If you want to know more about what I do, please feel free to connect with me on my website which is www.freddy.org.za or find me on Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za forward slash or on Twitter at at Rendsburg Freddy. Remember that Freddy is always spelt with an IE at the end. Be safe. Bye.